If you see that what you're developing is probably not going to be for a greater good, then you need to sort of call it out. And or you say, this is the intentional use of what we developed and for what purpose, just as you would for a kind of cigarettes, say, could cause you cancer. Be declarative about what it is you do, and then you have a fair data, you have some kind of social goods down. It doesn't matter if you work for a big company or you work for a small, medium uh, enterprise, we all are responsible at the end of the day. That's Monique Morrow speaking. Welcome back to part two of my interview with Monique. I'm your host, Lisa Kristen, welcoming you back to this episode of Level Up Your Leadership, the podcast where we're exploring how 21st century leaders acquire the skills they need to thrive in the ever-changing digital workplace. Now, as I mentioned last time, Monique Morrow has had a stellar career. She was the former chief technology officer at Cisco, and she's running two companies right now. She's the president and co-founder of the Humanized Internet, helping people to keep their digital identity. So what does that mean? You have to listen to find out. And also she's the president of the Vetri Foundation where they're creating new tools to help us have control over our digital selves. So you've heard already from Monique all of these interesting stories about where she came from, what she studied, what's interesting to her. And now in this next episode, we keep digging deeper. What can we do to do more good with our technology? What can we do as leaders to make sure that we're shaping technology in the way that we want it to be shaped? So enjoy listening to part two of this episode of Level Up Your Leadership with president of the Humanized Internet and the Vitri Foundation, Monique Mara. What was the biggest surprise for you? I guess I want to ask this two ways. What was the biggest surprise for you being the CTO at Cisco? Maybe mm -hmm. you didn't expect if you were the boss. And then I also want to know the biggest surprise once you became an entrepreneur and you were president of your own organization. So, um, you know, at Cisco, I straddled across the organization. So I was the first distinguished consulting engineer. I mean, I, I really went up the technical track of growth to CTO on services, to CTO on service provider, et cetera, et cetera to see to like new frontiers, new technologies, et cetera. So going from there, I mean, one of the things that you have in a company is that there are, uh, when you have a company of the size of 70,000 people plus, you have to look at how you're going to hit for the biggest impact. Because there is not a problem, if you will, of ideation. Ideation, but ideation for impact. You need to look at how you're going to monetize it, how it's going to create a million dollar business, et cetera. So that was probably very challenging because it's all about nice, but where's the business model? You really have to go focus for that because it's also how you take the company, like Cisco, and pivot to new areas. And in a way, one can argue that that is entrepreneurial in itself. So, you know, you have an environment that allows that and certainly allows you to grow your skill sets, et cetera, and certainly allows you to go up and pitch when you have to pitch. We had a wonderful program set that actually nurtured that type of thinking. But bear in mind, you still have sort of the Cisco mind frame and mindset involved here. On the other hand, when you step out and you are a full-time you know, entrepreneur and you're president of your own organization, you're looking at how you monetize, how you actually hit for impact, it's a different set of a problem. And in the sense of you're extraordinarily focused because you have basically said this, this, and this are the areas that I want to tackle. 
And I want to tackle it with a very uh, super ecosystem of people who have the same mindset. Now, can you fail? Absolutely, you can fail. You can actually come to the point and say, okay, well, it looks like we have kind of hit that wall a little bit. Can you think about uh, what would a monetization model look like? So, for example, the humanized internet, if you're a nonprofit, you are a nonprofit. You're three people. Well, you know, what do you do? Well, we were writing a book, for example. We have one co-founder is in Toronto, one is in Berlin, and one is in Switzerland. So obviously we're thinking about how do we ideate for impact, but also look at how we monetize. That's one part. In Vetri, Vetri Foundation, Vetri is the nonprofit arm of Procevis.ch, which is really doing things as e-government as a service, EID, plus there you have to take on a different lens and look at how you now Think about what does the funding model look like between you know now and the end of October, or and so on and so forth. So here you're hunting with your colleagues for investors, and so you still have to kind of do this pitch and, and so on and so forth. It's a different it's a different level of focus, but you actually have to refine you know your narrative constantly, and that I think is most important is you're constantly refining your narrative. And you've mentioned curious, always learning, always, you know, trying to get better. What other leadership advice would you have for someone listening for how they can continue to refine and grow their careers? To some extent, I mean, it's sort of a mortal sin to say this, um, but, you know, there is humility. I think you have to have some level of servant leadership. I've heard this spoken by Bracken Darrell, who's the CEO and chairman at um, Logitech. Servant leadership is extremely important. There was a case study that was done at Harvard uh, Business School where I think 90% of the exam grade was based on the answer of a question every day. At 4 o'clock p.m., you've been exiting out of this class. Who's the person? What's the name of the person sweeping the floor in the hallway? If you cannot engage in conversations up and down or whatever the stack looks like, with people and servant leadership and being able to ask constantly for feedback about what it is you're doing and how can you improve yourself in humility and so on. You brace yourself for a huge fall. And I think it's being able to have that level of servant leadership, which we lack a lot in our society. Well, I can tell that it served you well to follow the servant leadership model because you have won, I don't even know how many, countless awards. So I'm going to list just a few, if that's all right with you. Um, I'm not even sure where to start. Forbes, world's top 50 women in tech, Mm -hmm. a top 10 CIO, a top 10 influential IT women in Europe, top 100 digital influencers in Switzerland. I think people are starting to get the idea. What award was the most exciting for you to receive or the most meaningful? Oh, gosh. I mean, I just received one for cybersecurity, top 100 people to know. I mean, look, it's not about... I know this is cliche to say it's not about you, but it is, seriously, it is. And I think the Forbes um, Top 50 Women in Technology was one that uh, I had no idea, right? I literally had no idea. And I, in any of these, I had no idea, to be quite candid. The recognition, you know, we are a human species that thrives on recognition. So let's put that on, on the table. Yes, that's that's all great. I think the Forbes is really, really uh, one that, stood out the most because it's Forbes. <laughs> so, and to be in that category was quite humbling in itself. Where were you when you found out? Uh, where was I when I found out? I was actually, 
actually, because I, 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 I was traveling at the time and I received this bang ping and I had no idea uh, where that was coming from. And I said, oh, wow, okay. Uh, and it was, they collected it. They had scientific, um, you know, they went down the path of how they actually scientifically and with statistics uh, looked at how these women were being put together and so on and so forth into to this category. So I was traveling. And I went, oh, okay, that's interesting. Wow. I you mean, it's not just a spam. <laughs> no, no, no. And also digital, I mean, in digital, uh, the top 100 shapers and Switzerland's big honor. I mean, each one in their own right are, are hugely important honors. And, um, you know, again, I could ask myself, would I have been recognized uh, accordingly had I stayed at Cisco? And I doubt it. That's right. I risk, high reward. And that's true. <laughs> that is very true. And so, because you're such a big picture thinker, I have another big picture question for you. If I were to say, I have this magic wand, I could remove every barrier, every constraint in the world, what project would you want to see created, or what would you want to create next? I think the project that I pointed out was one that I think is a really hard problem to solve for, and that is that we have our digital keys and our digital assets, and we take care of them. And we need to create, you know, what a storage look like. Something happens bad, there's an event that's created. Wouldn't that be a cool thing to, to work on? And we can go anywhere, anywhere with those sets of, we'll call it memes and persona. That would be fantastic. I also believe that we need to think about just giving people the right to work. I'd love for us to solve for, I would love to disintermediate unemployment. I think there are people who really uh, would love to continue to work. Uh, I don't know about why people have to retire at age 65, other than the fact that von Bismarck said in the 19th century that you should retire at age 60 when people were living beyond 50. And I think we just not have not gotten out of that. And I think I can see communities from all uh, walks of life, whether they are just coming out of college, whether they, whatever, working uh, very collaboratively together, it doesn't matter who, you know, who project leads. I, for example, in, in Vetri, I have a, a person who's just out of college who's project leading. It's fantastic. I let him run with it because I don't want to run with that, right? You do it. I think that we need to think about that. What if we could live, is that a moonshot? You know, we're so, we're so in this environment about you have to now take your money and retire. And I see people around me, and I think we touched upon it when we were at the Deloitte event, where the dignity, there is a human rights dignity to work, you know, and I think that people would love to continue in some way, form, or fashion, rather than having such constraints. I do believe that, that companies have to be responsible. I think you should assess social good tax. <laughs> you know, it's not just about pays a self-penalty. I think people are people and uh, they have to be, you know, prepared, treated fairly rather than just sort of disposed of at will to bring stock prices up. Exactly. This is what's going to be happening more and more. And this is actually what I hear because I'm working with lots of different organizations and what I hear middle management the biggest fear they have with technology is their jobs are going to be replaced. Mm -hmm. They're going to have AI come in, do their jobs. And so, you know, they're thinking, you know, what would a right to work look like for us? We're looking at getting canned. I think that we have to change that narrative around. I do not subscribe to the narrative, oh, it's going to be tougher before it gets better. We're here today. 
We can create, um, uh, there was something that uh, a group of us had written in the uh, people-centered economy, the ecosystem of work, where we could think about rather you bringing value to an organization or an organization should bring value to you. So could we imagine creating some kind of algorithm, call it Jobly, I think in the book we call it Jobly, where maybe with certain inputs that you provide, choose to provide, there is something. And of course you have to work with traditional institutions outside to say, okay, we're going to give you a job, it's a job for you, and here's here's the value, right? It's not LinkedIn, it's not, it's, it's something completely different. And I think that if we can think about disintermediating that, you know, unemployment and bringing value to people rather than the other way around, I think that would be a really cool thing. So that would be a really cool thing to problem to solve for. So someone listening, quit your job. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, there has to be a will with governments and organizations to want to do this. There has to be, uh, um, you know, to look at it from the collective good of a society, how we have to handle these uh, levels of problems. Because we are, frankly, in a, a perfect storm. And, and the recent elections are, especially in Europe, are just sort of pointing in and what we're seeing and whether they're in the United States or wherever, we're kind of seeing a narrative that really challenges, this is a bit non-technology, but it challenges whether or not the systems as we know what can still hold the types of values they were originally intended to do so. And we have to be able to challenge ourselves. So we have to have these full moon. Yes, we put a person on the moon, but we have to have moon shots around the collective good of our society, and perhaps going to the top of the discussion, this is where technology can play. How do we get people who are, you know, just heads down, trying to survive, trying to keep their job, you know, fewer people, more tasks to be done, they're busy, busy, busy. How do we get them to take a pause and go look at what's happening around you, look at the bigger picture? You know, I specifically think about climate change or climate crisis, where it's like, we don't touch it every day. So a lot of people go, oh, is it really that bad? I don't know. It seems too distant for us to imagine. Well, I mean, you know, go to Bali and look at all the plastic and, and the ocean or look at it's not about uh, paying a fee, extra fee for your airline. It's not about you know paying an extra fee for a plastic bag. Plastic bags should be for um, actually just not allowed. I think we have to take a big step right now as a collective society and say, oh my God, what is happening? We have to think about it. It's easy for us to get into this, you know, what we're doing, but we actually have to have a social good aspect of what it is we're doing, top of our discussion once again, you know, and climate change is one of them. Um, it's very important because it, it feeds, it actually is core to why people are migrating, why they are migrating. It's not just, uh, you know, what's happening in, in wartime. So climate change is one of them, and we have to think about, you know, what can we as an individual do? When I go to a store here, I don't want a plastic bag. I'm going to take my own bag, and I think plastic bags should be verboten, right? Just not allowed, prohibited. I think we need to think about, you know, what insecticide we're using in uh, our agriculture. Right now, bees are dying, and uh, we have to think about, I mean, I see it on my window, so I don't have to look far, and that's a sad thing, right? So we have to think about how do we, around us, be able to nurture our bit, do our bit, and also stay politically, to some extent, uh, engaged. We have to do that. And uh, I think we have to be able to challenge, uh, if you don't like it, 
you have to step up and see why, how you can become the, the change you want to envisage. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're going to continue down the spiral and the spiral and the spiral. The fact is we're living in a very fragile society when it comes to climate change. And it's interesting because as you're speaking, and we talked about your career and how you went from this fantastic CTO, Cisco career, and you said, I got to branch out and do what's in my heart, what's mm-hmm. important to me, what's for the social good. I want to continue to be a servant yeah. leader. So while some people might think, oh, me being political, me worrying about climate change, that's different from my job. You've actually said, no, that's a core part of your identity. Both are. Oh. And Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, uh, and don't get me wrong, I think companies have uh, also a responsibility to care about how they, you know, develop technologies and how they're going to contribute to the good, right? It's not an or here, it can be an and here. You know, we have to be able to say, how are we all doing that? And so I just believe that we have to be able to, to pose questions. How, how is what we're doing going to be serving for a greater good? Facial recognition does not serve for a fake rate. It can be, unfortunately, and I know why it was created, but unfortunately it can be abused. And in some cases it, it is. We have to ask questions around governance models around these technologies. What do the governance models look like? And who's governing whom is really the big questions we have to ask. So for example, I, I met with a group of developers at a uh, conference in Vienna a year ago a year and a half ago, actually, and they said, well, you know, we're developers, we just do what we're told. Well, you know, just doing what we're told is, where did we hear that in history? If you see that what you're developing is probably not going to be for a greater good, then you need to sort of call it out. And, or, you say, this is the intentional use of what we developed and for what purpose, just as you would for a bag of cigarettes, say, it could cause you cancer. Be declarative about what it is you do, and then you have a fair data, you have some kind of social good stamp. It doesn't matter if you work for a big company or you work for a small, medium uh, enterprise. We all are responsible at the end of the day. And we all can have our own miniature impacts, even if not everybody can form an awesome blockchain company to save the world. Um, But we can at least be within our jobs doing something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there any question that you wish that I had asked you, but I don't like to? <laughs> I think, um, first of all, I've enjoyed this discussion. You've really crossed the gamut of who I am and what makes me uh, tick every morning and not sleep at night. And uh, it is that constant urge to want to think about the transformation and changes we want to encourage and envisage. I think you've asked uh, really core questions of me, and I uh, appreciate that discussion. I think we're on a, we're on the cusp of something um, very very purposeful, and I think uh, that my my call out to all those listeners is to do something good with what it is you develop. You are all leaders, and um, don't forget to get a great coach. <laughs> well, thank you very much. On behalf, I have to say, on behalf of my two young daughters as well, and I, probably all future generations. Thank you for all of the work that you're doing to ensure that we're using technology as intended, as it's meant to do good for our societies. And thank you for keeping that on track. Thank (laughs) you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Level Up Your Leadership. If you're interested in learning more about today's guests and the topics we've discussed, check out the show notes on www.lisacristin.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes to subscribe. 
While you're there, it'd be great if you could rate and review the show. And if you really like the show, I would appreciate it if you shared the word on social media. As always, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.